Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It was another mixed bag of pitching, but I would say mostly good on Tuesday night. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, April 19th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of Tuesday's action, another prospect promotion that you need to know about, and we'll fire up the worryometer a little bit later on. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. Thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Let's jump in. Oh my goodness gracious, players of the night. Can you believe it? Wow. Wow. That was the Astros broadcast of the Jordan Alvarez walk-off home run last postseason. It was uh, pretty dramatic, and I like it. Nice call there. Chris, you're up. Welcome back. And who is your player of the night? My player of the night is Taj Bradley, who, hey, the, the Rays finally put Jeffrey Springs on the IL. I know a bunch of you were were upset about that, and they officially called up Taj Bradley this afternoon. The oh, Rays oh, are annoying. By, they, by the way, you shouldn't care that they finally disabled Well, Jeffrey yeah, you Springs. can drop him because he's having Tommy John surgery, yeah. which that really <laughs> escalated quickly. That went from... Uh, <laughs> Like, oh, it's a nerve issue to, oh, it's a flexor strain to, yeah, no, he, he's having Tommy John surgery in the span of about three hours this afternoon. So that's unfortunate, but maybe the Rays won't miss him because Taj Bradley has been just unbelievable through his first two starts. 17 strikeouts to two walks. He had nine of them today against Cincinnati. Five and a third innings, three hits, one walk in this one. Innings likely to continue to be somewhat of a challenge for Taj Bradley. He did throw 84 pitches in this one. I would think if he makes every start the rest of the way and goes six innings in half of them, I think we take that as a big win given the team he's pitching for. But it's also like, as we saw last year with Spencer Strider, if you're good enough, it doesn't really matter. And I'm not saying Taj Bradley is going to be as good as Spencer Strider. I'm saying he has been that good so far. Uh, it's been very, very impressive. Four-seam fastball, got five whiffs today. Four whiffs with the changeup. I 
I'm not sure I buy him as an elite strikeout pitcher moving forward. I just don't know if the Arsenal is tuned for massive, massive strikeout numbers the way Spencer Striders is with that, you know, wipeout slider. But Taj Bradley's clearly very, very good and uh, deserves to be 100% rostered if he isn't already. And he is not. 69% rostered on CBS is Taj Bradley. Nine strikeouts to one walk in his most recent start. What I found most interesting is that in his first start, he displayed this curveball as his third pitch. He used it 14% of the time, and it looked Mm -hmm. amazing. And then on Tuesday night, it was a changeup that he used 21% of the time. He, I I think maybe he threw one or two of those in his first start. And, Two, yeah. And it was a good pitch for him in this outing. Four whiffs, 44% CSW. So maybe those third pitches are a little bit better than everyone thought coming into the season. Uh, I know this start was against the Reds. His first start was against the Red Sox. And it was, uh, I think it was a Devers list lineup too. So it, it has been favorable matchup so far for Taj Bradley. Uh, I think from a pitching prospect perspective, 133 and a third innings last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's really going to be any restrictions this year. Uh, like maybe some in-game stuff. Like they only. I think it's five. just the Rays. That's yeah. the that's really the only thing. Is it, it's not that like on a different organization having thrown 133 innings last year. I think you'd feel pretty confident saying, yeah, he could throw 170 this year with the Rays. I don't think he needs to though, Chris. Even if he gets yeah. 150, he could be this year's breakout mm-hmm. starting pitcher, right? So absolutely, I agree that he needs to be rostered in every league, Scott. I, I think of all the most added pitchers or waiver wire pitchers, honestly, that we've talked about this year, like maybe it's close with Graham Ashcraft, but I think Taj Bradley is above all of them. I'd take Taj Bradley over Graham Ashcraft. Yeah, uh, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, uh, yeah, that's fair. That's uh, what I think. Fair enough. Todd, Todd Bradley's good. Pick him up. Yeah, yeah. because like, like Ashcraft, the results have been really good. 142 ERA. Can't complain about that. But we're kind of seeing a continuation of last year where he's been better. But it still feels like he should get more swings and misses and more strikeouts yeah. than he does. And like, I just don't know if he's ever going to be much more than like an average strikeout pitcher. And hey. Graham Ashcraft might be able to be a very, very good pitcher without being an elite strikeout pitcher, but I do feel a little better about Taj Bradley's ability to get strikeouts. I had to fill in the blank, Chris, and if we knew that Bradley was going to be up rest of season for the entire for the entire season, and he'd be ranked as a top blank starting pitcher. I I'm going to say off the top of my head, top. 50, but I tend to be a little more conservative with, uh, you know, small sample sizes. So I, I could think, I think you could easily make a case. He should be higher than that. I think that's perfect. I mean, that's exactly what came to mind. I'm looking just inside of my top 50. I have Kyle Wright, Reed Detmers, Charlie Morton, Chris Bassett, Sonny Gray. I think those names kind of make sense. And look, if he continues to perform like this could easily shoot inside the top 40 or even top 30. Uh, it, I mean, it could be because like a, a lot of the guys we have in the top 50 now might just be not good. I mean, those names you mentioned, oh, we, th- we think of them as good pitchers. But part of the issue right now is it's hard to tell who actually is a good pitcher mm-hmm. and who isn't a good pitcher with the way offense is playing right now, which leads me into my, oh, my goodness gracious player of the day. Uh, a little preamble first, if you don't mind. 
Weird Al Yankovic's seminal work, Bad Hair Day, the first track is, as we all know, the cultural sensation, Amish Paradise. The second track is a song called Everything You Know Is Wrong. And that is what I feel like should be the theme song for today, particularly with regard to pitching, because it's really hard to get a grasp on what's going on because everything we know is wrong. Anytime we, we feel like we have a handle on a pitcher, okay, this, is, this guy is thriving in this environment or this guy is totally screwed, it totally flips uh, on a dime. And that happened for so many pitchers today, both positively and negatively. I'm going to focus here on one on the positive end of that, one that I'm highly invested in, one that Chris is highly invested in too, I know, and that's Chris Sale, who, okay, we go into this game here uh, on Tuesday thinking Chris Sale, he's rusty. He's clearly rusty. He's erratic. Maybe he's lost it. We were, we're, we're totally screwed if, if we invested in him. And what happens? Chris Sale looks like an ace again. At Minnesota, he struck out 11 in six one-run innings. Had, swing, had six swinging strikes just in the first inning. So right away, it was clear, okay, this guy has got it today. Ended up with 19 swinging strikes on 94 pitches overall. His average exit velocity in this game, 83.6. That's compared to 91.2 previously. He threw 67% of his pitches for strikes. That's compared to 63% previously. And um, there were signs that like his stuff still had plenty of bite to it. Just that he didn't, he didn't seem to have much of a clue where it was going. Um, and I know Red Sox pitching coach Dave Bush said, just leading up to this start that he's he feels like sale is so close that in his side sessions he shows a lot better command than he's been showing in the actual games and apparently so or it's just another 2023 fake out and uh next time out he's going to get shelled again i i don't know because everything i know is wrong <laughs> with Chris Sale, I noticed the velocity was up across the board in the start as well. All three of his main pitches up around one mile per hour. And this is the best that I've seen the fastball look so far. So the velocity has mostly been fine this season, but his ability mm -hmm. to command that fastball and not get crushed with the fastball has been a big issue. He had nine swinging strikes on that four-seam fastball, and his average exit velocity against on that pitch, 74.7 miles per hour in this start. So I think it's very clearly the best that Chris Sale has looked. And with that, I'll, I'll kind of tie in my oh-my-goodness-gracious player and that's Lucas Giolito, who was actually pulled with a no-hitter intact at the time. Going up against the Phillies, it was the second game of a doubleheader. Six no-hit innings, one walk, seven strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 102 pitches. Doesn't seem like he did anything crazy different, uh, at least from what I saw. The fastball and changeup were both working in this one. It could just be as simple as that. Like, this is the best that they've looked so far this season. But he got rocked by the Pirates earlier in the season. Outside of that... Giolito has actually looked pretty good this year. 23 strikeouts and just four walks over 21 innings pitched. The swinging strike rate is down where it has been. I don't think he's the same pitcher as he was in his prime a couple of years ago, but I, I think he's just kind of doing it in a different way, maybe with better command and better control than we've seen from Lucas Giolito in the past. With that being said, Chris, what you saw from Giolito and Chris Sale on Tuesday night, are you just holding and th th these are the pitchers that you were hoping to get or... Would you use this as an opportunity to sell high while you can? 
I would think my, my first thought was sell high and look at Chilito because I just I I think maybe it's one of those situations where someone still views the name as more valuable than the pitcher. But I, I also think people were down on him enough coming into the season that there's probably still a lot of skepticism. I'd say hold both. And if anything, potentially buy Chris Sale. I think the lesson here, and it's a very difficult lesson to learn, and it's hard for us, especially because our job is to create content and our job is to react to what we're seeing. And it's hard to, it would be really boring if I said what I think we should say to nearly all of the things that we've seen in the first two weeks and, you know, five days of the season, which is it probably doesn't mean anything like that. That would be my most honest answer. A lot of the times it's like scratching and clawing and stretching to try to come up with an answer. That's not, well, that's interesting, but it's, you know, like Chris Dale has made three starts now, right? I think this was his fourth. This was his fourth. If he, I'm sure you could go back to classic Chris Sale and find a three-start stretch where he looked just as bad as he did the last three starts. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that he isn't bad now. He might be. It's mm-hmm. just to say that we don't know. And so your priors shouldn't shift all that much. Now, that is difficult given the macro trends that we've seen in Major League Baseball over the past couple of seasons and the apparent changes to the baseball and the changes to the offense environment and all these things. Like, it is important to figure out if it is a different offensive environment, who can thrive and who can't. The problem is when it comes to Chris sale, to use one example, is it that Chris Sale's not good enough anymore? Is it that Chris sale cannot be good in this new environment? Or is it that Chris sale had three bad starts and figuring out the answer to any of those things, three uh, and those aren't the only three possible outcomes is really, really difficult. And, and it's, it's I've in my writing, I've sort of pivoted to football over the past like 10 days, which is sort of funny because it's a really important part of the baseball season, but it's like, I, the NFL drafts coming up, you know, I got the fantasy football newsletter, you know, it's stuff like that, but also just like, I feel like I'm at risk of giving bad advice right now at the, like, I think this is a dangerous time of the year. And mm-hmm. so I want to force myself to not react in certain ways. And I was, you know, that's I, a difficult thing. I was giving sort of a, a, a similar, um, I, I was making similar points on yesterday's show uh, where, you know, the, the, the most common question we get really any time of year is what's wrong with, this yes. player what's wrong with player x and we're still a month away from being able to ask answer that question with any kind of confidence so really the questions you need to be asking about players right now is do i believe in the talent and do i believe he's going to get picked up right away if i drop him? yes if i drop him those are really the questions you need to be asking and if, and if the answer is a pretty solid yes to either one of them then you should probably just stick with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think what makes this year unique with pitching in particular 
is just the dramatic swings in performance we see for individual pitchers. And, and that's, you know, that's why I'm calling this everything you know is wrong day. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, his previous two starts, a combined two earned runs in 13 and a third innings. Oh, he seems pretty safe, right? Today, seven earned runs and 10 hits on four innings. Uh, Chris Bassett today, six and a third shutout innings at Houston. This was the guy who seemed totally washed in his first start. Nine earned runs on 10 hits, four of them home runs. And since then, he's thrown three straight quality starts. Adding to the weirdness, the walks were way up in two of those uh, three starts that were quality for Chris Bassett. Only one walk in this one. Uh, let's see. What's another example from today? Nick Lodolo. Uh, Nick yeah. Lodolo. <laughs> like, the breakout... Other than Jeffrey Springs, I guess, Nick Lodolo was was the big victory lap guy uh, among starting pitchers, just the dominance he showed. Eight earned runs on 12 hits in four and two-thirds innings today. Just got absolutely crushed and legitimately crushed. Average exit velocity against Nick Lodolo today, 95.7 miles per hour. His ERA jumped from 212 to 498 in one start. So... I mean, I, I think Nick Lodolo is better than a 5 ERA pitcher, but suddenly he has a 5 ERA, and that's happening with so like on the other end of the spectrum. Ken Waldachuk seemed like he could do nothing right. Nothing right. This guy's got to go back to AAA. Five shutout innings today. 12 whiffs on 100 pitches. Look, look pretty good. Uh, just yesterday, Hayden Wesneski. We, were, we had all given up. We had moved on. And what does he do? He throws seven shutout innings, right? Seven one-run innings, excuse me. Like, it's, it's just, it's not like guys when, it's not like pitchers when, it's not like they're just a little bad, you know, when things go bad or, or they're just, you know, four earned runs one day, two earned runs the next. It's not that situation. It's, they're either getting crushed or uh, maybe they look pretty good. And, and so everybody's kind of coming out of this with an ERA between four and five. <laughs> like if you, if you pitch long enough in this environment, you're going to have an ERA between four and five. That's kind of what it feels like right now. I'm not saying everybody's going to finish with an ERA between four and five, but I mean, Kevin Gosman yesterday, another example, he looked like as, as safe of an ace as you can get, had an ERA of 135 after uh, three starts. Now his ERA is 365 because he got crushed Monday. I don't know. It just feels different, doesn't it? Unless your name is Garrett Cole or Luis Castillo, you are probably a pitcher who has had a pretty rough start at some point. But they're this due. Season. They're due to give up eight runs, <laughs> each of them. I hope that isn't the case for whoever has them on their fantasy teams. But uh, yeah, look, it could be a combination of things. Maybe offense was just ahead of pitching coming into the season, but the pitch clock, the new rules, there's all these different things that are kind of working up against pitchers to start the year. And I think it's going to take some time to adjust. So uh, I would say have some patience, you know, pitchers that are well-established. We'll talk about Lance Lynn a little bit later on. He's off to a terrible start as well. Uh, but these are guys that, you know, we for the most part, we've seen do it for, for quite some time. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Let's talk about a, I guess, top prospect. Let's say a, a hot prospect right now, someone who is in the news, getting promoted by the Oakland A's. Mason Miller will make his debut on Wednesday against the Chicago Cubs. Made some loud noise in his last start at AAA. Five perfect innings with 11 strikeouts. He had 20 swinging strikes in that outing. 15 on the fastball, which averaged 100 miles per hour. And it's so hard to evaluate someone like this. I mean, you guys thought you had it tough when we were uh, trying to figure things out with Zach Neto. 
How about a pitcher who has thrown 28 and two thirds innings in the minors? In his career, that's all he has. Like, what do we do with Mason Miller? Uh, I texted the Welsh and, and tried to get a little bit of an inside scoop on him. He said, 100-plus mile-per-hour fastball. Saw him in the AFL, hit 102. He's a flamethrower, throws a cutter as his second pitch. Has a slider he throws a little and a changeup barely used. He's like a Hunter Green type, but does work with his fastball. Uh, problem is he has less than 30 career innings in the minors. Mason Miller is 21% rostered. Uh, Chris, I will give you the first crack. What are your thoughts on Mason Miller? Is he a must-add pitcher? Yes. I'll, I'll say yes, because I, I don't know if you guys have watched this guy. He looks unbelievable. Like, I I don't know, man. Like, Hunter Green throws harder, I guess. I mean, Mason Miller did average, I think, 99.6 miles per hour with his fastball last year at AAA, which is pretty nice. He's thrown... Let's throw the Arizona Fall League in there. He's thrown 45 and a third innings as a professional. He's been, he was drafted in 2021. So that's two, one full season, I guess, and then one partial season. He has 73 strikeouts in those 45 and a third innings. And he's been used as a starter. He hasn't, I don't think he's ever thrown more than five innings. I don't think he's ever thrown more than 64 pitches. There are serious limitations on what he is likely to do, at least in the early going. I mean, he looks outrageously talented. And he was someone like reading a lot of the, the scouting reports over the last week or so since you know people started talking about him. He was in uh, Eric Longenhagen's top 100. I think he, that was the only top 100 prospect list oh, yeah. that I saw him crack. But he was I, in there. He was the number four prospect for baseball prospectus for the A's. And basically every report I read said like we just don't know how good he can be but he might be one of the fastest risers in the prospect rankings over the next you know season and I I think the skill set is outrageous so I'm really excited there's the likeliest outcome is he's like throwing four and a third innings in most of his outings but they could be really 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 good four and a third innings uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and try to add him and just see what happens. Well, I mean, we, we, we keep trying to come up with the next Spencer Strider and it's, it's one of those things like there, there probably can't be a next Spencer Strider. It was a story. Yeah. At this time last year, we were thinking, well, even if Spencer Strider does enter the rotation, like, is it, would he be able to take on a full starter's yeah. work? I, I think you were pretty happy you invested in Spencer Strider if you did. And I, 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 Mason Miller goes beyond that. Mason Miller feels like the ultimate mystery box pickup because I, I'm, I'll, I'm willing to admit, as somebody who goes pretty deep into prospects, I, I mean, I spend weeks of the offseason basically just researching prospects. I hadn't heard of this guy till a week ago, I, I guess just because he had so few stats in the minors. Mm-hmm. But it, particularly at a time when pitching is so unpredictable, what you want more than anything is a guy who can miss bats and isn't going to be susceptible to the environment in any way. And in that the, the tiny amount we've seen Mason Miller pitch, he's done that to a ridiculous degree. His two starts in the minors this year, a 26% swinging strike rate. Like 20 is otherworldly Jacob deGrom level, basically 20%. And his was 26%. Yeah. While still throwing 69% of his pitches for strikes. Also a great 
number. And and like those were the numbers that jumped out to me for Spencer Strider in the minors as well. Just how good he was, how like outlier bat missing skills in a way that was going underappreciated for him. It is a small sample for Miller, but that's the kind of thing, you know, you can see normalize over a smaller sample. And uh, I just think you have to you have to take a shot on him and and see what happens. Maybe something really good will happen if you do. And if not, then, oh, well, it was just a moment in time and you can move on from it without sacrificing too much. You probably have a pitcher you're okay dropping at this point. Just to make right. it clear, because I'm sure, sure someone out there has a question, we are taking Taj Bradley over Mason Miller, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I will rank Taj Bradley and Grayson Rodriguez ahead of Mason Miller, but... I could see a scenario where Mason Miller's just so overwhelmingly dominant over the next three weeks that like we're talking about him as a top 40 pitcher. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that kind of like, I think the Spencer Strider comp is perfect. It's unfair, frankly, to Mason Miller or to anyone to comp them to Spencer Strider after the rookie season he had. But like, let's just say I'm extremely excited to watch the Oakland Athletics tomorrow. And that's the first time I've said that in a while. <laughs> I'm sure Oakland A's fans would tell you the same exact thing, Chris. Uh, Scott, you brought up Lance Brozdowski a couple of weeks ago when we were uh, looking into Chris Bubich, and he actually tweeted the same thing a couple of days ago, that there is no Spencer next Spencer Schreider. But oh, if really? you wanted to make the case for somebody, it would be Mason Miller. So I just thought I would. Now, now it sounds like I'm just copying him <laughs> without giving him credit this time. Right. Uh, so... <laughs> Shout out to Lance. I I know that he's excited about uh, Mason Miller as well. Let's take our first break. And when we return, we'll take a look at some waiver wire pitchers from Tuesday's action. Will we take any of those names over Mason Miller? Find out uh, right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today, the CBS Sports Golazo Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage, is now streaming on your CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs. Original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. CBS Sports Golazo Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game. 
Let's take a look at a few pitchers who could be out there on the waiver wire, and it includes Edward Cabrera, who turned in his first quality start of the season up against the Giants. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts with 21 swinging strikes, 13 of those coming on the changeup, seven on the curveball. Eduardo Rodriguez had a tremendous start against the Guardians. It was the second game of a doubleheader, and it was very cold in Detroit. I think it was like 30 degrees or something there. Eight shutout with 10 strikeouts to zero walks for him. And Scott, you brought up the name earlier. Ken Waldachuk turned in his best start of the season. Five shutout with five strikeouts in that one. Scott, we'll start with you. Mm -hmm. How do you rank those three if you're looking to add a pitcher? Edward Cabrera, Erod, and Ken Waldachuk. I mean, I think you have to go Edward Cabrera, number one, just based on the upside. 21 swinging strikes in this one. Another another, uh, example, shining example of uh everything you know is wrong day because I'm, I'm telling you to add edward cabrera and last week i was telling you to drop edward cabrera because he was walking everybody in sight and we can't tolerate this can we uh but you know things have turned on their head and and we're seeing the good side of cabrera now and hopefully it'll continue hopefully he can keep those walks at bay uh all three of his pitches have Good swing and miss potential. I think he leaned mostly on the changeup in this one, right? Throwing at 47% of the time. Yep. But he doesn't have to lean on the changeup every time, which is what's so exciting about him. And his biggest flaw is he can't really command his fastball, which is weird because we typically think of fastballs as the easiest pitch to command. And you can look at that, that both ways. You can look at it and say, well, that's a fatal flaw. You just if you can't throw your fastball for strikes consistently or, or really the issue in the first inning, he gave up the two run home run to Mike Yastrzemski in this one. The fastball was a strike. It was just belt high and right in Mike Yastrzemski's breadbasket. So that's not what you want. Um, or you can look at it the other way and say, well, if anything should be easy to fix, relatively speaking, it should be throwing your straightest pitch uh, where you want it to go. And once he settled down in this one, the, the, the first inning was a little rough, but after that, he looked outstanding. The changeup is a plus pitch. Uh, the curveball looks really good. I would want to hold on to Edward Cabrera for sure after this and 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 add him where he's available. Chris, I know that you were talking about Eduardo Rodriguez before the show started, and he was awesome in this start. His first double-digit strikeout start since August of 2021. But even with this one, he has a 7.1K per nine following a 10-strikeout performance. So I don't know that it really changes too much for him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's weird because he's now made four starts. He had five strikeouts and five and a third and one. He had one strikeout uh, in four and two thirds. And then he actually had a really good start against the Blue Jays, but he only had three strikeouts. I feel okay about Eduardo Rodriguez. I've got him in a few leagues. I think I actually started him in one, which is amazing. Uh, Started him and Chris Sale. Way to go. It's one of the 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. And so, yeah, I'm... I would much rather have Edward Cabrera. I would much rather have Eduardo Rodriguez than Ken Waldachuk. I would probably rather have Mason Miller than any of those guys, just based on the principle that Scott laid out about what are your chances of still having a chance to have them in a week. But I, I think Eduardo Rodriguez can be a, a an above average pitcher moving forward. Sure. Scott, are you taking Mason Miller over Edward Cabrera? Yeah. 
All right, a uh, few names. Do we hold on to these uh, names that we have? You know, touted as waiver ads recently, uh, Brad Keller. You know, this one's on me. I was I was pretty excited. Look, the control was just non-existent in this one. He had five walks, uh, only six swinging strikes on 81 pitches, uh, but he still used this new curveball 33% of the time. Uh, just was not very effective for him. He got up to 49% roster. Dre Jamison, an inefficient outing at the Cardinals, three and two-thirds, two runs allowed, four walks to three strikeouts. Exactly what we said last week is, look, when the control is on, Dre Jamison's probably going to be pretty good, but when it's not, Something like this. This is hmm. this is what could happen for him. Uh, Scott, would you look to hold these guys, or would you be okay dropping any of them for like Mason Miller or Edward uh, Edward Cabrera? I'd be willing to drop Brad Keller for just about anybody. I'd be a little more reluctant with Dre Dre, Dre Jameson because there is obvious upside there. I, I don't think there's significantly more upside than for Cabrera or for Miller. It's you know, if you if you if you spend a lot of fab dollars on Jameson, which you might have two weeks ago, that that makes it harder to swallow. Just keep swapping him out for the next flavor of the week. But I think most people listening don't even play in fab leagues, so it's easier to justify just dropping Jameson for the next flavor of the week. And and Miller would be the preference over Cabrera. In deeper leagues, Chris, I have three names here that performed quite well on Tuesday. Billy Falter, seven innings of three-run ball at the White Sox. Dean Kramer, six and two-thirds shutout with six strikeouts at the Nationals. And Peyton Battenfield turned in a quality start at the Tigers. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts for him. We're talking, you know, 14-team leagues or deeper. Falter, Kramer, Battenfield, anything here? I don't really even in deeper league think there's much appeal for Bailey Falter. I think he'll have starts like this because Zach Davies had a good season once like that just can happen sometimes. But I I don't think like Bailey Falter pitching well this time out tells me much about his chances of pitching well next time out. I think he's mostly going to be pretty forgettable. Um, Kramer, just because mostly because he pitches in a, good home park now. Um, I, I think it's pretty interesting. And then Battenfield, I'm pretty unimpressed so far, but you've got him listed with potentially two starts next week versus Colorado at Boston. That's not uninteresting. Chris, team name Wednesday. Love is a Battenfield. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what it was. Like, if if can you make Peyton Battenfield fit in there? Like, yeah, that that's that's definitely a good one though. Uh, Dean Kramer, something to watch with him is that his velocity was up across the board in the start. Fastball is up one mile per hour, sinker up two point seven, and the cutter up one point five. Uh, even with this great start, his ERA is over six. So I agree with Chris. Like you don't have to add him, but let's watch and, and see where that velocity goes. Let's hit some news and notes. And you guys already alluded to it, but Jeffrey Springs expected to undergo Tommy John surgery. will miss the remainder of this season. And that means he'll probably miss the first couple of months of next season as well, which is just sucks. If we're being honest, yes. Corbin Burns suffered a left pectoral strain Monday, but is hopeful he'll make his next start. The plan is for him to play catch on Wednesday. So some good news there, Scott. I know we were, Kind of scared last night, but see where it goes. I remain skeptical he'll be able to avoid an IL stint. That just seems like the sort of injury you don't want to try pitching through. And teams tend to approach injuries with an abundance of caution this time of year, understandably. So I'm I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch on that one. But and it does sound like he avoided a worst-case scenario, at least. But let's also not forget that this is the same team that 
just went through a situation where Brandon Woodruff was like, ah, he's fine. He just, yeah. he just didn't feel right. And now it's like an actual injury that is going to cost him, you know, maybe not significant time, but real time. So we'll see. Apparently, Carlos Rodon's back is, quote, still barking, and he will undergo tests, according to Aaron Boone. He did say Rodon's arm feels fine, which was the original concern, but now the back is, uh, he called it a a nuisance, a bit of a nuisance at this time. And this is just the, the negative Yankee fan in me talking, but <laughs> there's just something about players that go there or their training staff, whatever it might be, players cannot stay healthy with this team, or, or just the way that the Yankees have handled injuries they have been among the worst teams in baseball over the past, you know, handful of years or so. I I don't know what is going on. They I think they cleaned out their training staff like a couple of years ago, and nothing has changed. Like <laughs> these guys just keep getting yeah. hurt and and keep staying hurt. So I don't know what it is, but it's annoying. Uh, Robbie Ray told. Well, I I think the other fans of the other New York team can say the same thing about true them yeah. as well. I don't know. I, you'd think the New York teams could have the best medical staffs money can buy, and maybe they do. Not to yeah. uh, maybe it's the water. Maybe that's the trade-off, right? You get really <laughs> good bagels and pizza, but it, it makes the pitchers get hurt more often. Or maybe it's just a small number of bad events happening. You know, yeah. No matter how good your training staff has, you could, people can still get hurt. You might be onto something though, Chris, because I know you you tweaked your back the other day. I've got a shoulder I've, thing. Yeah, going I've got on, a so, thing, you know, yeah. going on. Yeah, ah, that that New York water. <laughs> Robbie Ray told reporters he's not quite ready to begin a throwing program, but that the progression on his left flexor strain has been good. He'll undergo an MRI later this week. Joe Musgrove will make his season debut Saturday in Arizona. You Darvish will be pushed back one day to start on Sunday. Jacob deGrom expects to make his next scheduled start despite leaving Monday with wrist soreness. Shohei Otani's next scheduled start has been moved up to Friday after throwing just 31 pitches Monday because of bad weather. I know it was the Patriots Day early start, but the way that that was handled, it was just so bad. It's like they had a rain delay. They started. There was bad weather. There was another delay. It was very weird. That was like the same thing they did. I went to Fenway Park 2021 now, and it was like the same exact conditions where it was just like, they clearly shouldn't have been playing, but they tried to play through it and it just ended up screwing everything up. Yeah. That was, that was annoying. You know, and it it was, it was the rare case where it seemed pretty obvious. You should use Shohei Otani as a pitcher instead of the hitter. Cause Hey, look, he's getting two starts. Yeah. (laughs) Like his second two start week ever. Yeah. Uh, And guess what you missed out on a sock in a shoe by Shohei Otani here on a Tuesday night. So, (laughs) Just perfect. Dodgers catcher Will Smith is quote days away from being activated, but the concu- uh, from the concussion IL, but won't be it won't be on Thursday, as he previously mentioned. Mookie Betts was placed on the paternity list. James Outman let off on Tuesday night, and there was another report that Mookie could play shortstop upon his return to the Dodgers. So uh, maybe by I don't know. May or June, we're talking about Mookie with second I mean, shortstop and outfield eligibility. Every every shortstop on their roster pretty much is hurt right now because Chris Taylor left Monday's game with an injury. So yeah, they, they might have to. Alex Mookie Betts is a ball player. All right. I just want to point that out. That is I mean, a ball player. There, there was a, a, an interview with him before the season where he was like, I still think of myself as a second baseman. Like that's that, that was what he played his entire life mm-hmm. until he got to the majors basically. So like, I don't mm-hmm. think he's upset about it. And we know he, he has made one appearance 
Oh, no, more than one appearance. I'm sorry. He had 14 appearances at shortstop in the minors. There you go. Very low minors. We know he has the arm to play shortstop, too. I mean, that guy has one of the best arms in baseball. It's, yeah, he's getting up there a little bit. Does he have enough range? Uh, I guess we'll find out soon. Alex Wood left Tuesday's start with a hamstring injury and will likely head to the IL. My guess is that Ross Stripling will re-enter the rotation. Danny that was had- an awkward play. It was like uh, he like didn't plant when he went to field a bunt and just clearly wasn't right. I don't think he even threw a warm-up pitch. He just left the field. Yeah. Danny Jimenez was placed on the IL with a strained right shoulder. Uh, this team and bullpen is very bad, but I, I'm guessing they'll have a safe opportunity at some point. Trevor May, I believe, pitched in the sixth or the seventh inning on Tuesday night. Uh, Zach Jackson has a lot of strikeouts this year, but also a lot of walks. I don't know. You, you probably don't want to change it. Hunter Green and, and the and Reds. None of the relievers are any good, so. <laughs> no, well, none of their pitchers are good, Scott. I mean, maybe well, Mason Miller will change that, but yeah. <laughs> who knows? That is. Sort of on purpose. Yes. Hunter Green and the Reds agreed to a six-year, $53 million extension with a seventh-year club option. The deal buys out Green's first two years of free agency. Harrison Bader will start a rehab assignment on Friday, and Michael Brantley will begin one this Sunday. Josh Donaldson is still dealing with tightness in his hamstring. Again, another Yankees injury. And will be reevaluated on Wednesday. Does that make Oswald Peraza more interesting? Uh, potentially, he sticks around. Well, yeah, sure. If if he if he sticks around and is able to get in the lineup a, a, a decent amount, there there's definite upside there, um, mm-hmm. and it's more help at shortstop, a position that needs a lot of help. I I wouldn't be prioritizing Peraza over, um, I, you know, I'd still rather have Zach Neto, for instance, mm-hmm. even though he hasn't done anything. There's just more assurances of how much he'll play. But Peraza is inter- interesting, interesting upshot, interesting upside at a position of need. Ramon Laureano has missed two straight due to hamstring tightness. Joey Gallo is likely to make his return Wednesday against the Red Sox. Brett Beatty was not in the lineup Tuesday night against lefty Clayton Kershaw. I mentioned that as a concern, and um, we'll see if he plays next time they have a lefty on the schedule. Both Jorge Polanco and Alex Kirilov had their rehab bumped up to AAA. Kirilov is 24% rostered for those in deeper leagues. Getting interested yet, Frank? Getting interested in all... Kirilov. No. I will no. point out Polanco <laughs> seems to be ahead. Uh, I think he played nine innings today. Kirilov was only scheduled to play seven. So still some distance there for Kirilov. I don't know how much, but yeah, he's, he's a little further behind Polanco at least. All right. And Chaz McCormick is headed to the IL with a back issue. Let's quickly run through. Wait. Yes. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Jordan Diaz, the the, the athletics are also calling him up. He's, uh, I think MLB.com's number four prospect for them. Uh, first base, third base, second base. I think he's eligible at second base uh, in CBS. He got up, called up a little bit last year. His minor league numbers are kind of interesting. It's very, very good plate discipline uh, in the high minors and just a little bit of pop, but apparently really good exit velocity. So something to keep an eye on in. For now, just AL only leagues, but that's that's one that I noticed as well. 120 games in the minors last year for Jordan Diaz. He hit 326 with 19 home runs mm-hmm. and an 881 OPS. So <laughs> anything for some excitement on the Oakland A's, I think yeah. it's uh, is very welcome. Let's quickly run through some waiver wire hitters. Just check to see if he was dropped in your league. We were getting questions about Riley Green. I think rightfully so. It, it's it's been a pretty lackluster start to the season. But he had a big doubleheader, four for nine with a sock and a shoe. He's hitting the ball hard, but also striking out. And that ground ball rate 
is back up to 54%. But mm-hmm. uh, I still think there is some upside there with Riley Green. He's 77% rostered. Yep. Do you believe in the talent? Do you believe he'll be picked up if you drop him? And I think the answer those- to the first one is yes. The second one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it only has to be yes to one of them, I think. Yeah. I I do have some questions about the talent for Riley Green. Um, but... You know, certainly in a five outfielder league, you couldn't consider dropping him. Yeah. I might have more questions about the development within the organization that he plays for, but uh, I guess we could save that for another right. day. Right. Gabriel Moreno had a breakout game on Tuesday night, two for three with a walk and his first Diamondbacks home run, and he's 45% rostered. Scott, how would you rank these catchers in a one catcher league? Logan Ohapi, Gabriel Moreno, Francisco Alvarez, and Shea Langoliers, who is off to a pretty solid start. I think you just did. Ohapi, Moreno, and I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll gamble on the upside of Alvarez over the assured playing time of Langoliers. Start playing, start playing Alvarez more, Mets. Come on. Yeah, let's, uh, let's get that. Yeah, neither him nor Beatty in the lineup today was just like really trolling Mets fans. Even against a lefty, <laughs> Francisco yeah. Alvarez is not in there. I, I think I would actually take Langoliers just because I know he's going to play a lot. Yeah. Sean Murphy led baseball, led catchers and plate appearances that's, last year. That's so. a very 15-team mindset, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those types. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, even in a 12-team points league, I want volume, right? If like, you need someone, I, I don't know if either Langoliers or... Alvarez should be rostered in a 12-team points league. I think even Moreno is probably fringy, but mm-hmm. yeah, if you need a starter right now, it can't be Alvarez. They're treating him like a pure backup right now. That's yeah. fair. J.D. Davis went three for four with a double, is now batting 347 on the season. I read an interesting article about changes he made to his swing this offseason. Apparently, he's keeping his front foot down, and I'm not kidding about this. There's a video. He has these little like pelvic thrusts that allows J.D. Davis to keep his weight back and it's helped with his swing. And it's also hilarious to watch if you want to look it up. That's that's, uh, you know, that's that's useful. Every time I'm playing softball, I'm always just like I always go to the plate and I tell myself, like, keep your weight back. That's that's the most important thing. And I I never actually do it. Well, I admire I admire his commitment to his craft that he's willing to do. (laughs) <laughs> pelvic thrusts and in, in front of tens of thousands of people where he is the center of focus. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I don't think so. Ah, come on. This Scott. is, this, this is FBT after dark. Nothing to be ashamed of with that. 46% rostered is JD Davis. Uh, I know I asked you and I know your answer Scott from yesterday, but Chris, who would you rather have JD Davis or Patrick wisdom who is tied for the league lead in home runs with eight. I think I would go with wisdom. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not super enthused about wisdom. I think it's just a, a hot streak, but I guess there's a better bet for playing time here. I don't know. I I think that's fine. In deeper leagues, Scott, do any of these names matter? Taylor Walls had a monster game, four for five with a double dong. Uh, Jake Berger went one for two with a walk and his fifth home run in the second game of that doubleheader, 118.2 miles per hour off the bat for Jake Berger. He's like legit a good hitter. I, I, they should find a way to keep his bat in the lineup. Uh, and Jack Sawinski went two for three with a double dong. Deeper league, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there are playing time issues for all three of these. And they, I, I, I saw a report today they're not going to consider using Jake Berger at second base after Yon Moncada comes back. Yon Moncada started out at second base, I feel like. So I don't know why that doesn't get discussed more. But 
yeah, it's it's been it's been a few years now where I'd like to see Jake Berger stick around, and the White Sox just aren't letting it happen. So I don't see that changing. Uh, just from a talent standpoint, he's the one I would want of these three. I, I, I'm going to guess Jack Sawinski ends up being the most usable over the course of the year, but I'm not especially high on him. All right, let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll fire up the Worryometer here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes. You can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Let's fire up the worryometer. Zero, not worried at all. Ten, yes, this is absolute panic meter. I think we're probably, you know, on the border of dropping this player. Let's start off with Juan Succo, Chris. You know the deal no, here. No, thank you for saying his appropriate name. <laughs> <laughs> Entering Tuesday, he was batting 177 with three home runs, one steal. The strikeout uh, rate remains up a little bit. The BABIP is also 171 so far this year. Chris, your worryometer level on Juan Succo. That's you Juan Soto, the by the way. Is. And but yes. there's we have an, a guy who emails us a lot and has referred to Juan Soto over the past three seasons as Juan Succo, and it's very funny. <laughs> um, zero. I just I don't know, like. I keep bashing my head against the wall with Juan Soto over the past calendar year, basically. And I will just continue to do it because there's really like, he's still hitting the ball hard. He still has really, really excellent plate discipline. There are some minor nitpicky concerns in the quality of contact metrics or in the, you know, he's pulling the ball. And he talked about this, actually. There was a, a great piece a couple of days ago where he, he talked about how, I think it was in the Washington Post, how he's he feels like he's pulling everything and it's led to hard contact but not necessarily good contact and so you know he's frustrated he, you know he doesn't seem to just think it's bad luck but i i have to believe he'll figure it out i if anyone is down on Juan Soto i'm i'm happy to take trade offers for him it, it feels not, very much like Jose Ramirez a few years ago. Remember where he yeah. had that like calendar, yep. basically for a full calendar year divided between two seasons. He was like a 200 hitter. And then suddenly he was Jose Ramirez again. So yeah. like this hasn't even been, Juan Soto hasn't even been as bad as that, that yeah. stretch. Um, and, and yet most of us, I don't think, lost faith in Jose Ramirez during that time. Yeah. And that faith was rewarded in the end. I'm going to go down with the ship. Like if that's what it takes, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to have faith in Juan Soto until he turns 30, mm-hmm. uh, which is like seven years from now, six uh, years from now. I think it's a great call out. Scott, I was thinking exactly the same thing with Jose Ramirez. Some people might be listening and say, why are you talking about Juan Soto? Right? Like we're two weeks in, we got an email earlier today. Someone asking if they can drop Juan Soto. 
I, like these are real things that people ask us and it's I'm not trying to single anyone out there's all you know different levels of experience playing fantasy baseball so I, I understand like a beginner might have a question yeah. like that but these are like Look, real questions that we get, Soto's, so I don't even think it's beginners he's one of the players I'm asked about most on Twitter Juan mm-hmm. Soto and Miguel Vargas I think are the two players I get asked about the most like yeah. what's wrong I've with gotten some guy? Manny Machado concerns as well yeah that's started up you're right <laughs> gosh I, everyone I know it's a it's a long season. It's a six month season. We are not even three weeks in. I know it sucks if you get off to like a zero and two start or zero and three start, or you know you're in last place in a roto league. It's not the end of the world. I mean, things can flip around very quickly. So just we need to just have some patience. Scott, uh, I'm gonna put two, two two players together moving forward just because you know trying to move through this. But I'll give you the two pitchers on this list. Lance Lynn was knocked around again, five and a third, 10 hits, five runs, did have seven strikeouts. He was up against the Phillies and through four starts, he has a 7.59 ERA and a 1.83 whip. The other name is Miles Michaelis, who has an ERA over eight and a whip over two. What is your worryometer level on those two names, Lynn and Michaelis? On um, Miles Michaelis, it's probably an eight or a nine. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could definitely understand dropping him at this point, even if it's just a rough start. And the ceiling's only so high, uh, particularly in an environment where there's more damage being done on balls in play. Lance Lynn, I'm going to go eh, 2.5. Not that worried. He's still getting whiffs at a nice rate. He, he had stretches. He, he had a rough stretch that lasted even longer than this last year and turned things around pretty sharply so i i still have a lot of confidence in lynn lance lynn's first seven starts last year a 7.50 era 1.53 whip his final 14 starts 2.52 era 0.97 whip i would be looking to buy on lance lynn uh would you guys drop michaelis for mason miller yeah yep all right chris you get to i guess you'd call this guy a veteran tommy edmund i guess so uh jose abreu is betting 253 with three extra base hits all of those being doubles the strikeout rate is up the average exit velocity is down he is now 36 years old and tommy edmund who's batting 241 with one home run and one steal consistently batting at the bottom of the cardinals lineup chris your worryometer level for abreu and edmund abreu it's a little higher just because he's so old i i think Edmund, he's going to be fine. I, I think the the lineup stuff is concerning. Like, I think the lineup stuff gen, genuinely means he's unlikely to hit the upside that we thought he would. Um, but I think he'll be fine. Abreu, he's just not hitting the ball well right now. He did last year. You know, his quality of contact metrics were actually pretty good. He just didn't get the results. So I was pretty confident he'd bounce back. But now we're talking about a 37-year-old, right? 30, uh, who 36. 36-year-old who's showing signs of decline. So I'm going to say a five for him, a four for Edmund. For Abreu, I will point out he's typically been a slow starter. That's, you know, as long as he's been in the majors, he's gotten off to slow starts. And Tommy Edmund has been very streaky. Uh, Last year, he started off great, and then he had like a two-month stretch where he was like borderline droppable. And then he was really good after that again. So I think these two guys might just be streaky players. Scott, you get the two Baltimore Orioles on this list. Gunnar Henderson, who is batting 167 with 22 strikeouts so far. That is a 35% strikeout rate. And Anthony Santander, who's batting 200 with one homer and a 32% strikeout rate. Worryometer on Gunnar and Santander. We're seeing this with a lot of rookies. Uh, Corbin Carroll's performing well, um, but not 
I'm trying to think of examples of others. Jordan Walker looked pretty good to start out, but he's he's scuffled of late. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think you have to show a lot of patience with them just because of the difficult adjustment period. Go back and look at what Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt did last April, yep. and you'll understand why you need to be patient with Gunnar Henderson. Between the two of them, they hit zero home runs last April. Henderson, my worryometer on Henderson, uh, I'll go like three. I mean, it, it, it's possible he's just not quite ready and will have to get sit down at some point. But he looked good enough in September that I don't think that's the case. Santander, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference and say five. I, I certainly don't think he's beyond dropping in five outfielder leagues. He has a lot of power. But last year was really the first time it ever materialized into a, to, to make him a true fantasy asset. And so I, I don't think it would be surprising if he fell off here rather than repeat that year. Uh, real quickly, in case people didn't know what we were referring to for Jose Ramirez, because if you go look back and look at his career line, the, the, the year-long numbers seem fine for him. When was he so bad? So it was... A 40-game stretch at the end of 2018, Jose Ramirez hit 166. And then a 66-game stretch at the start of 2019, he hit 198. So a span of 106 straight games when Jose Ramirez was like a 175 hitter. And then he has been just fine since. Let's wrap up with a few leftovers here. We'll start off with uh, some pitching standouts. Spencer Schreider looked great at the Padres. Six shutout with nine strikeouts. He actually did not allow a hit until the sixth inning of that start. Chris Bassett has turned in three straight quality starts after getting rocked on opening day. Clayton Kershaw was awesome against the Mets. Seven shutout with nine strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes. Marcus Stroman makes it four for four in quality starts. And he went six shutout with five strikeouts at the Oakland A's. And Nathan Avaldi bounced back with his first quality start of the season at the Royals. Six innings, two runs, five strikeouts for him. Uh, Chris, anything to add on Strider, Bassett, Kershaw, Stroman, Ivaldi? Uh, it was good to see Bassett, you know, continue to turn things around. The the velocity being up is helpful. I think he's not at least in this outing. He wasn't far from where he ended up last season. So I I think we're okay there. Strowman, I just, I can't get excited about even when things are going well, just because he has a very long track record of just being who he is, which is occasionally very good. And I think more often than not, you won't regret having him on your fantasy team. I just don't think he's an impact player. Um, And then Spencer Strider's walk rate is up a little bit. It's 12%. He's still been completely dominant. So I don't think there's much concern there, but it's something worth noting. I actually, I think I would look to buy high on Stroman this year. I hear what you're saying, Chris, but someone who, I mean, we haven't had many, you know, solid contributors among starting pitchers so far. And look, I don't want to buy what he's already done, but he has a much better defense this year. He is someone who gets a lot of ground balls. Defense up the middle is great. Cody Bellinger out there in the outfield as well. He's using his slurve or I guess your sweeper a little bit more this year as well. And his swinging strike rate is back up over 11%. I really like what I've seen from Marcus Stroman so far. Uh, the the ugly, the bad pitchers here. Jordan Montgomery, we mentioned what he did. Four innings, seven earned runs for him uh, up against the Diamondbacks. Nick Lodolo destroyed by the Tampa Bay Rays. Four and two-thirds, eight runs allowed. Uh, only four strikeouts, one walk, three homers allowed. 
Scott, this is what will happen if you allow a 95.7 mile per hour average exit velocity in Great American Ballpark. Starts like this could actually happen. Yep. And I don't really know what to say for these two other than everything you know is wrong. Nick Lodolo <laughs> and Jordan Montgomery. Blank um, happens. Exactly. So let's see how it goes next time. And, uh, you know, maybe a month from now, I'll have a good answer for what's happening with Nick Lodolo and Jordan Montgomery. More specifically, blank seems to be happening a lot against the Rays this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, Yandy Diaz hit his fifth home run today, so yeah, he's he did. more than halfway to last year's total. His average launch angle is like three times what it normally is, which was always the issue for him. He, he's he was always an outlier in terms of average exit velocity, but just never elevated enough to tap into the power. And and maybe that's changing. I mean, he was even as a guy who would top out at ten to twelve homers, he was a perfectly usable points league player because the plate mm-hmm. discipline was so good. Like if, if he's more of a 20 homer guy, he might be a stud. He might be like an in his prime Anthony Rendon type of yeah. option. It's yeah. it's all I can say is it's too early to know for sure. Sure. But if Yandy Diaz was breaking out, this is exactly what it would look like. Absolutely. Like this is what everyone has been saying Yandy Diaz was capable of if he started elevating the ball. A couple other hitting leftovers. Jazz Chisholm went one for three with a walk, a sock, and a shoe. His third home run and fifth steal of the season. I mentioned Shohei Otani had a sock and a shoe against the Yankees. No slow start for Marcus Simeon this year. He went two for three with two walks and his fourth homer. He's batting 271 early on. Wilson Contreras went two for five with a double dong, his first two Cardinals home runs. J.D. Martinez had a double dong, and I always love when we talk about a player as a buy low or on the worryometer. And then the very next day they go off because we were talking about JD Martinez yesterday. He's been hitting the ball really hard so far. And, yeah, the, and he's, he's the one with the hip thrusts, right? No, that is JD Davis. Oh, that's the other JD. Yeah. Okay. You can't just assume every JD is thrusting their hips. You know, and, every, and half the time when I talk about JD Davis, I say JD Martinez because that's <laughs> just, it's, it's, that's been the JD in my life for so long. I need to get used to Davis again. The, Remember when JD Drew? That guy was fun. Ah, come on! I was uh, I was a wee little lad when JD oh, Drew really? was playing. <laughs> the Braves they powered up against the Padres. Sixth home run of the season for Matt Olson. Fourth for Albie's and fourth for Sean Murphy. The Padres broadcast pointed out that at some point Sean Murphy's last eleven hits all went for extra bases. So slow start be gone. He looks very good. Some bullpen updates for the Tigers. Alex Lang pitched in the ninth inning with. Uh, with the game tied in game one of the doubleheader. So Jason Foley Foley got the save chance in game two, and he did convert it. For the Phillies, a two-run lead. Craig Kimbrell pitched in the seventh, Sir Anthony Dominguez in the eighth, and Jose Alvarado in the ninth. He struck out two for his first save. He has thrown seven and a third innings so far. 18 strikeouts to zero walks for Jose Alvarado. Uh, Chris, I actually noticed you picked him up in the Scott White Dynasty League, and uh, mm, yep. like it is... Good pick up. It's... There's a very real chance that he is just the Phillies closer moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I I would bet against it uh, just because how hesitant they've been to, you know, give one guy the job, but especially him. But he's really good. So I I think that was a case of just I needed a player and he was one of the players who was available 
who is not terrible in that 24 team league. It's easier to justify, I think, now that they have Gregory Soto, another left-hander that they can Mm -hmm. use in high-leverage situations. But too early to say. But Alvarado's clearly been their best reliever and has, has long been a guy that has been dangled as a prospective closer. Yes. For the White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez recorded the final four outs of Game 2 in the doubleheader. Uh, with a one-run lead, he struck out three, picked up his third save of the season. For the Angels, one day after throwing 27 pitches, I assume that Carlos Estevez was unavailable. Jose Quijada got the ninth inning, and he struck out two for his third save and is 22% rostered. So between Quijada and uh, Jose Alvarado, you do have some prospective save chances between those two. Uh, for the Twins, Yoan Duran uh, pitched a ninth inning with the game tied. Someone named Giovanni Moran got the 10th with a two-run lead, and he gave up three runs against the Red Sox, took the loss in that game. For the Diamondbacks, Andrew Chafin was called upon in the ninth with a four-run lead. He gave up three runs and was then relieved by Miguel Castro, who closed it out for his first save of the season. For the Cubs, they had a four-run lead. Michael Fulmer pitched the eighth inning. That's now two outings in a row. He has pitched the eighth. Somebody named Michael Rucker pitched ninth inning. No idea. For the regulars... I think he was in The Walking Dead. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It was uh, Yandu, right? Yes. For the Orioles, Michael uh, Felix Bautista picked up his fifth save. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano got the final four outs for his seventh save. And for the Pirates, David Bednar picked up his fifth save of the season. To stream or not to stream on Wednesday, Griffin Canning at the Yankees. No. Interesting seeing how it goes, but I can't use him. Cal Quantrill at the Tigers. Probably going to be as close as we get to a yes here. About as close as we get to a yes for me. Okay. Trevor Rogers versus the Giants. I'd rather not. He's my favorite of this group, but yeah, I'm not viewing him as a must start. Taiwan Walker at the White Sox. Uh, Probably not. Mike Clevenger versus the Phillies. Probably not. Johan Oviedo at the Rockies. I might do it. I might do it. I'm I'm not. <laughs> it's 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 early season uh, brazenness. I haven't been worn down enough to know n- never to start a pitcher at Coors Field because I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> tempted to do it here with Oviedo. I told you yesterday, Frank, I actually did it in a couple of weekly lineup leagues. We are all with you, Scott. Eric Lauer yeah. at the Mariners. Nick Martinez versus the Braves. No. Johnny Brito no. versus the Angels. No. No. Mackenzie Gore versus the Orioles. I don't think so, Tim. Yeah, I wouldn't, but it wouldn't shock me if he was good. On Thursday, Kent Maeda at the Red Sox. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm surprised. He, man, I'm surprised he qualifies for this. Uh, yeah, he is back below 70%. I think uh, mm. people have had enough already, Scott. Tanner Houck. Like a little injury situation, I guess, scared them away. Yeah. Tanner Houck versus the Twins. No. Luke Weaver at the Pirates. Nah. No. Jameson Tyone versus the Dodgers. No. Michael Waka at the Diamondbacks. No. No. Rowanzi Contreras versus the Reds. Nope. Nope. Matt Schramm versus the Rockies. Nope. Ryan Nelson versus the Padres. No. Sean Manaya versus the Mets. <laughs> I'm just trying to vary the way I say no. That's fair. Uh, not, not that it was an especially firm no for Ryan Nelson. All right, Sean Manaya also no. 
And Michael Grove at the Cubs. No. All right. So uh, pick up Kent Maeda if you need a streamer for Thursday. We're going to wrap <laughs> there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning into Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.